Hello there, I'm Kiosa Ronin Beatmaker, and welcome to Lounge Ronin, all things, everything. To learn more about myself and how you can support Lounge Ronin, head over to my Patreon page at Ronin Art and Music. If you're interested in reaching out, follow me on social media, on Twitter, Ronin Art and Music, or at me at Kios Ronin, K-O-I-O-S-R-O-N-I-N. On Instagram, follow me at roninart underscore music. And if you prefer, hit me up at my email at roninartandmusic09 at gmail.com. And if you're listening to this on your preferred streaming service, please make sure to subscribe. If you're listening on YouTube, make sure to subscribe, leave a comment and a review, and slap that notification bell. On Apple Podcasts, Please make sure to subscribe, rate the podcast, and leave a review as this will help me and the podcast grow. Stay positive, stay focused, stay true, and much love. Hello there, I'm Kiel Sterone Beatmaker, and welcome to episode four of Lounge Roman. And, uh, Happy New Year. So, on today's topic, of Lounge Ronin. We're going to talk about giants. They have been on my mind a lot, and I've been watching various um, little mini documentaries. I recently watched one about a, a lost giant city in the desert. In, in the Sahara Desert. So that was really interesting. And um, and I talked about giants when I first attempted live streaming back when my internet was that of a caveman's. <laughs> but um, I wanted to revisit it and uh, do a little bit of a light dive into it. Um, Not get too crazy. Um, But if you are listening, please hit the like button. Leave a comment with your thoughts below. Make sure to subscribe. And if you are catching the replay, hit the like button. Leave your thoughts below and uh, make sure to subscribe and share. Um, yeah, that'd be great, please. So, I don't know how many of you out there have heard of giants, believe in giants. Um, that's regardless. We're, we're here to have light, good fun. Um, 
and just speculate and, as I like to put it, entertain ideas. Um, but I also do know that, you know, I think I have spoken about this in the past, but, um, you know, I'm also a firm believer in patterns. And I believe that, you know, if there are patterns and consistencies, um, you will, you, you can't, you can't, um, refute them, uh, especially, um, you know, you, you can't refute them, especially if there's also clear evidence to those, um, patterns. And that's something that I am a firm believer in. If, you know, if, if there is a pattern, a consistency in that said pattern, there is obviously something going on. And, um, you know, it's whether you look at the, you know, and we're going to touch on it, you know, you look at the Smithsonian and the various stories of, of um, in articles from the late 1800s to the early 1900s of giant, bones being found all over North America and the Smithsonian, you know, either covering it up or destroying evidence. Um, and, and we're going to talk about this. All of this is, there is evidence to prove a lot of this stuff. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll touch on a, an article about it, but, you know, they're not, they were originally called, um, Nephilim, um, that is based off of a uh, religious text, um, Catholicism and, uh, well, Judaism, actually, I mean, even in, <laughs> even in, um, Aboriginal Americans, there are stories of giants, um, whether you go to, um, the Middle East, stories about giants. South America, stories about giants. They're, it, it, it's everywhere. One second. Um, so, you know, as I was saying, you know, these stories, they are, they are everywhere. And um, one has to ask themselves, you know, what do these stories, you know, represent? You know, especially if you look at, you know, the the Denisovans and um, them, you know, their um, their remains being found, I believe, in Siberia, um, and you know, they're like, oh yeah, these bones, these are giant bones. Um, there's, you know. There's so much evidence, and um, and I will I'm gonna present some of it to you, not a lot, just a little, um, because I I really do enjoy this topic, and I'll definitely do, um, other episodes discussing it because I I find it um, really fascinating, but you know we're like I was saying, 
like I was, oh my lord, I am one one subscriber one subscriber away on Rumble to be able to live stream over there. So, anyways, um, so this this is you know we're gonna look at it first from a religious standpoint um, because I think it is important for us to look at it from a religious standpoint first because i'm going to say something that i love i love this this phrase and it it comes from star wars and it comes from a character named ahsoka tano um and she said it in rebels and ever since she said it it has just it's just stuck with me and she says there's always a bit of truth in legends and I have just, I've loved that saying. And I'll say it again for you guys. There's always a bit of truth in legends. And I think that can be applied to religious texts. That can be relied to ancient texts as well, philosophical ancient texts, what have you. There's always a bit of truth in legends. And all of these legends of history, of ancient history, of ancient cultures, you know, when prior to antiquity and, and, and post-antiquity, like, you would hear these stories, you would hear about these, you know, these people or these um, areas in history, these great battles, and, and for a time, they were considered fake. You know, for example, you know, the story of Troy, you know, the Battle of Troy. P people thought for many, many years, for for a very long time, that, that it was just a story. You know, a story that was told in the Iliad prior to the Odyssey. And then we find out Troy actually existed and they actually find a partial um, wall that turns out to be the wall that was of the city of Troy. So... That's what I mean by when there's always a bit of truth in legends is that we were told that these legends are just, you know, they're fake, they're stories, they're metaphors. But then archaeologists, anthropologists, you know, whatever you have, geologists, they come by and then they're like, hey, um, you know, that legend that we all thought was just a metaphor or a myth or a story turns out. It's actually real, and here is the geological evidence. Here is the carbon dating evidence. Here are um, relics that prove this story is true, you know, what have you. So that's why I think we have to keep in mind about, keep our, be open-minded to the continuing changes and rewriting of our history and the rewriting of our legends that we have been told or learned throughout history because it's starting to become a theme that they end up becoming true. You know, it's kind of like, you know, you look at like the Sphinx in Egypt and for a long time, you know, I recently watched a video on it, you know, there's like, oh, there's no, you know, there's no hole on top of the Sphinx. And then it turns out there is. And a um, Egyptologist found the hole, went into it, and discovered a library and discovered an entire city. I mean, 
so you know you gotta you gotta take that with a grain of salt um and make your own decisions you know why is it and this is what's so funny to me right why is it right that you have these Egypt these these um these archaeologists these Egyptologists these researchers from 1800s 1700s right 1600s early 19th century they talk about these crazy wonders these crazy stories these fantastical excuse me these fantastical discoveries they document them you know if they're if they if it's if they have the technology to take the pictures they take pictures whatever they document it they put it in the newspapers right at that time crazy whoa this is incredible discovery right you you go to like the you know the say the 1940s on any of those prior discoveries or articles written about giants or what have you would be dismissed as you're crazy, you're lunatic, even though there's actual evidence of these, of them. And we're going to talk about that. I'm going to show you some of the evidence because, I mean, it, in my mind, um, I just find it really funny. And this is kind of the whole thing about whether it's the the Mandela effect or whether it's them constantly rewriting and suppressing and obfuscating and censoring our history to the point where, you know, we don't really know what's really true and what is really fake. And, and every day that turns out to be the case. I mean, you know, why is it that, I just think it's funny, why is it that, you know, it turns out that the Sphinx is, is older than you know, then the then antiquity and the Egyptologists want to as older than twelve thousand years old, because a geologist by the name of Randall Carlson went there and found water erosion and proved, hey, this thing is well over twelve thousand years old. I mean, so you have to ask yourself, why is it then that this guy is admitting this is is admitting this has the evidence proves it, yet they want to still reject the science. You know, I was recently watching a video about the a pyramid in Indonesia. Yeah, spoiler alert: there are pyramids in Indonesia. Well, one, and here's the most the most fascinating thing about the pyramid in Indonesia is that there was a a coin. I forgot how they there was a term for it, but it's mixed with gold and silver, and this coin was made in Turkey but was found in Indonesia. And the um, the researcher on it is believed to, to be that this pyramid predates the Ice Age. So, you know, and I'll, I'll put the I'll put the documentary link in, in my in the description. It's only like, like 30 minutes long, but it's really worth it. And it got to the point where um, they couldn't, the Indonesian, um, you know, like archaeological, archaeological community. And if you know anything about these people, they are, they are, their careers are based on their ego. 
and they don't want the narrative to change because then that could possibly mean that their entire life's work could be discredited. Um, they don't like that kind of stuff going on. So when the researcher who was looking at the Indonesian pyramid was like, hey, this thing is well way over 5,000 years old. It might be the, the oldest, it might be the oldest pyramid constructed on earth and that it might predate um, the Ice Age due to the fossil, due to the fossil findings. I mean, not the, the, the sediment findings that they kept on drilling deeper and deeper into the pyramid. And he was realizing that this pyramid must have been of, of great importance because people kept on building upon it and adding to it. And then it got even more crazier, like I said, when they found these artifacts and they found a coin that was made in Turkey, but that was in Indonesia. And it was um, leading to the, the speculation and the theory that there was at one point a worldwide civilization. Okay. If you've seen what a pyramid, if you've seen the pyramid, I mean, look, it's on my, it's on my logo, um, on my thumbnail. If you've seen a pyramid, you've seen the Egyptian pyramid, go, go look at the, the, the Nazca pyramids in Mexico. I mean, they're just a different design. And then compare a skyscraper from New York and a skyscraper from Japan. They're both skyscrapers, but they're different designs. In Japan, they have to design their skyscrapers to withstand earthquakes. In the U.S., it depends on where you live. In California, they're going to have to do that. In Ohio, they're not going to have to do that. So and that, that's kind of what I'm talking about. Is like It's kind of right there in front of you. You just have to... And I know I say this, it's it's taboo nowadays, but you just have to use your critical thinking skills. I know it's dangerous. It could get you in trouble, but it's worth it. I, I personally say, you know, it's a little trouble is, is good for you. It's like seasoning for the soul. But I digress. All I'm trying to say is that we have to kind of be open minded to the idea that maybe these legends there is some truth to it. And maybe the truth is so fantastical that we can't comprehend it. Why? Because we have been curated to think in a particular manner. I notice we have two people in the live stream. Hit that like button. I would greatly appreciate it. But as I was saying, they will curate our belief system, our history, and then it's too fantastical or too you can't comprehend the idea of oh yeah they there could have possibly have been a worldwide civilization that encompassed the entire planet um it's possible that the um that there was no ice in antarctica prior to the 1500s okay what does that mean and there are maps about that um that'll be a topic for another live stream. But the 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 fact remains is that we our history has been curated for us and censored in such a manner that it is for many people it's hard to believe certain stories or certain narratives because 
you have been conditioned to believe something so much so that anything else could be considered heresy, um, could could be considered blasphemy, and and I get it, you know, it's it, I I get it. Changing your thought and changing your mindset it's a scary thing to do, especially when it comes to history and the origins of um society the origins of humanity i get it it's a scary thing um it, 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 it's a you know it's kind of funny because you know when we're, we're talking about giants right and um I, I just i think i i think it's off it's an island off of indonesia somewhere around indochina in uh, southern asia somewhere around there there was a discovery of a species of humans that were the size of hobbits that actually existed. I think, what they say, about like, what was it, 30,000 years ago? hundred. I can't remember the exact date, um, but maybe for another live stream, I'll pull up the comparison between our stories of fantasy and reality. But anyways... They found this community, they, they found this species of humans that they were literally like hobbits. If you've seen the movie, if you've seen The Hobbit, if you've seen Lord of the Rings, you know what the hobbits look like. There were people like that that existed at one point in time on our planet. So, you know, you, you hear these stories of, of dwarves, you know, in fantasy and stuff like that. Well... There may have been some truth to it, you know, because why is it that, you know, anthropologists are uncovering species of humans that were the size of hobbits that existed, that were real? I'm just saying, I'm just saying to keep an open mind that there, there surely definitely is some truth in these legends. Um, but let's get right into it. So, like I said, we're going to start from looking at this from a religious standpoint. Um, and we're going to look at it from a, from one of the, um, Catholicisms and that is, um, Jehovah Witnesses. Um, this is a really good little straight to the point, um, site. I know a certain person out there will get very excited about this. You know who you are. <clears throat> so, all right, who are the Nephilim? I would play this video, but I don't want to get in trouble. So, we're just going to read. The Bible's Answer The Nephilim were giants, the violent superhuman offspring produced when wicked angels mated with human women in the days of Noah. Now, when I mentioned the Denisovans, the Denisovans were giants who made it with humans. You can look it up. Um, they found literally a, a area, I think it was in Siberia, and it was just like a hole. And they just found all these bones, and it was somewhere of human size, somewhere of giant size. Um, and the reason why I bring up the Denisovans is because that's another um, offshoot of humanity. Um, 
So we can go with, and when I bring up the Denisovans, that's an actual scientific study. So this is what I mean by there's a bit of truth in legends is that, okay, there's in these legends, they're talking about giants. But then if you look up Denisovans and they're like the comparable to giants, it's like, okay, there is some truth there. The biblical account says that the sons of the true gods began to notice that daughters of men were beautiful. Now, um, if if you were to kind of go take a step back and look at Sumerians, if you were to look at Inki and Enlil, um, you know, pretty much every... <clears throat> and these people are called the Anunnaki. And uh, pretty much every religion is kind of is stemmed from the Anunnaki. Um, I mean, it's, it's kind of in the name. Anunnaki, Jehovah, Buddha, Allah, Krishna. You, it's right there for you, ladies and gentlemen. Use your critical thinking skills. Put it on. Put the critical thinking cap on. And uh, there you go. Anunnaki, Buddha, Jehovah, Krishna, Allah, Jesus, <laughs> Muhammad. It's all there for you. <clears throat> it's, it's all there for you. Um, you know, that'll be for another, another lesson. <laughs> but... Um, so even in Genesis, you know, there is, you know, the whole flood story. It's in every, every religion on this planet has a flood story. The, the, the Incas, their flood story predates the one told in the Bible. The Sumerians have one predates the one that's told in the Bible. <laughs> so the Bible isn't the first one. When, um, was it Socrates? It was either Socrates or Herodotus who went to go hang out with Egyptian priests. And um, he asked them, what's your, you know, what's your story creation? How did your world come to be or how did it end? And he tells him, oh, a flood. And, and he goes, oh, yeah, that's that's just one. There, there were six others. So, <laughs> and this is the Egyptian priest. I think it was with, I think it was Zola. I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that. But so why would an Egyptian priest? Oh, and little side note, the Egyptian priests, they were also well aware of North America. But that's a whole nother thing. But it's just this whole thing of just it's all connected. Um, and there's a great video um, done by I can't think of their names right now. But um, you know what? I'm gonna look up their names real quick because I think it's a a really cool and uh, interesting video, and I think it'd be great for people to to be aware of it. But the channel is called it is called the Fifth Kind, and um. And uh, doo -doo 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 -doo. 
Yeah, I'm trying to see if I can do this. Okay. Trying to think what trying to see if I can get their names. Okay, yeah, it's this the channel is the fifth kind. And it's uh it's this channel is is hosted by Paul Wallace, but he he's been doing a presentation um with Mario um Biglino, who is a he translates the Bible um for the church. Um and he um did a video essentially explaining how you know Buddha, Jehovah, Christian, they're all stem from the same um syntax, um, and which is based from the Anunnaki. But that's a whole other thing. But what I'm trying to what I'm trying to say is that they're it's all connected one way or another. The 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 history. And even when you're looking at it from you know a biblical standpoint, I already brought up to you the scientific connection to you know the the, the giants mating with um, human females and and that was the Denisovans. And if you look up the Denisovans, you know that that is your your little smoking gun that hey the Bible is is onto something. Um, there is some actual evidence to this. Um, okay. The Bible account says that the sons of the true gods began to notice that the daughters and uh, of the true, the sons of the true God. Now, the Anunnaki are, quote unquote, the, 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 you could say the true gods. And the sons, that's Enki and Enlil. Okay. Um, those sons of gods were actually spirit creatures who, re who rebelled against God when they forsook their own proper dwelling place in heaven, materialized human bodies, and began taking as wives all, all whom they chose. The hybrids born from this unnatural union were no ordinary children. The Nephilim were giant bullies, tyrants who filled the earth with violence. The Bible describes them as the mighty ones of old times, the men of fame. Of, of fame. They left behind a legacy of violence and fear. Um, in North America, there are stories of uh, Aboriginal Americans talking about being hunted by giants. Um We'll get into North America and the giant connection soon. Um, misconceptions about the Nephilim. Misconceptions. The Nephilim are still alive, are still alive on earth today. Um, that Jehovah caused a global flood. Now, flood. There have been many catastrophes. You look at the Younger Dry's impact by Graham Hancock. Um, there have been many cataclysms. And I, as I told you, I think, well, yeah, it was Zoran who went to visit the, 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 the priests in Egypt. They told him, hey, man, that's just one of many cataclysms. So, you know, just, just to add to it, um, Jehovah caused a global flood to destroy the violent ancient world. The Nephilim were wiped out along with all wicked people 
In contrast, Noah and his family found favor with Jehovah and were the only ones preserved alive on earth. Um, I have evidence, speculative evidence, I should say, that the Nephilim were not destroyed and that they are still alive on this planet. If you have checked out my live stream I did on the concave hollow earth theory, then you can understand where I get the notion that they may still be alive. All right, misconceptions. The Nephilim were fathered by humans. Fact, the fathers are called sons of the true God. The Bible uses the same expression to describe angels. Angels had the power to materialize in human form. The apostle Peter spoke of spirits in prison who had formerly been excuse me, disobedient when God was patiently waiting in Noah's day. Excuse me. Referring to the same circumstances, the Bible writer Jude explains that some angels did not keep their original position but forsook their own proper dwelling place. Hmm, interesting. Now, if you've ever heard of the book of Enoch, then you know the book of Enoch. It talks about flying crafts. Coincidentally, in those same stories, uh, NASA patented the wheels for the rover. Um, take that what you will. Like I said, there's always a bit of truth in legends. Look up the Vermanas from the Bhagavad Gita from India, and you'll see some startling similarities between some of our own crafts. But I digress. Misconceptions. The Nephilim were fallen angels. Fact. The context of Genesis 6-4 indicates that the Nephilim were not angels, but hybrid offspring born from sexual relations between materialized angels and women. After the angels began taking as, as wives all whom they chose, Jehovah said that 120 years he would take action against the ungodly world of that time. The account adds that in those days, the materialized angels continued to have relations with the daughters of men and that they produced the mighty ones of old times. Now, when they talk about these angels, they're talking about the Anunnaki. That's who they're talking about. Um, I, I know some people might question me on it, but that's really who they're talking about. Um, and, you know, they're talking about angels coming from the sky. The Book of Enoch talks about spaceships. Put your critical thinking hat back on. You do the math. It's pretty simple. One plus one. You get it. Um, so, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a nice little, easy little digest of Hey, who, who and what are the Nephilim? So, you know, it's when you hear when it says, oh, well, they were on a planet. Um, I mean, <laughs> the um, they were angels. I mean, you have to think about it this way. And even in the book of Enoch, he kind of talks about how the way how fantastical they looked. Now, if you were if you were a being with advanced 
technology. Um, it's not out of the realm of possibility that you would be able to alter your presence. Um, and I think that's something to kind of think about when it comes to, you know, what we're, what we're dealing with here. Um, so, okay. We'll, you know, yeah, we're, we're going to do the Gaia article before I show you. You know, hold, hold on. I'll show you one video first. Yeah, I'll show you one video first. Um, and then we'll jump into the Gaia article. Because um, I, I, I think this is a very compelling video. Um, and... I, I would like you guys to make your own decision and interpretations upon it. If you are in the live stream, please hit the like button. If you are watching the replay, please hit the like button and share. And leave your thoughts and comments down below. Okay. This was filmed in Mexico. Now, at the top, you see this mountain, this hill. And uh, that is, for scale, that's all. That's tall. That's very tall. Um, so, you got to kind of have to ask yourself, um, you know, when you look at that, it, it, you have to consider the one, everything is at a pretty good scale. So you can kind of, the, the mountain is pretty big and uh, whatever is standing on top of that is, it's, I mean, look how, look at the, the, the height of that. It's, that's so bizarre. Um, and, and, and like I said, you know, put on your, 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 your speculative hat, but there's also like the story, um, from Afghanistan about the special forces unit that was attacked by a giant and they even killed it. Um, so, you know, I, I brought that video up because it's just kind of like, you know, just for you to kind of make your own judgment and interpretation of it. But there are so many stories of, of interactions in that, you know, these cats, they're still running amok. They're still out and about. Um, but to jump into the, the Gaia story, the Gaia article, they do a really good job in this article. I, I like it. Okay. This conspiracy claimed the Smithsonian destroys giant skeletons. All right. This was written in November 11th, 2019. Okay. Around the turn of the 20th century, the New York Times, London Globe, and Scientific America published articles purporting the discovery of gigantic human skeletons including that the remains sent to the Smithsonian for further study. But the fact 
that this evidence was never again seen or reported continues to elicit questions of whether the Smithsonian destroys giant skeletons in order to cover up a inconvenient anomaly in archaeological narrative we've been told. Remember what I said earlier about the narrative. They need to have complete control of the narrative. The question has been heatedly debated over the past century or more, with researchers finding what appears to be corroborating evidence, while skeptics, skeptics say the bones were simply those of massive prehistoric animals reclassified by the Smithsonian and displayed in museums to this day. And while physical evidence remains tenuous, there is seemingly endless trail of rain and anecdotal suggestions that a larger race of humans once walked the earth. A brief history of the Smithsonian. Though it may not be immediately obvious, the Smithsonian's institution is an extension of the U.S. government. Huh. No figure, right? With congressional members sitting on its board of regents. It was initially founded as an establishment for the increase and diffusion of knowledge among men. Huh. An establishment for the increase and diffusion of knowledge among men. Why would they need to increase and at the same time diffuse knowledge among men? At the endowment of uh, philanthropists, chemists, and mineralogist James Smithson. <clears throat> and while it's not a regulatory agency, it is so intrinsically tied to the government that it claims immunity from state and local regulations as well as immunity from lawsuits unless authorized by Congress. Wow. Wow. Fancy that. The Smithsonian was established in 1846 and was tasked with the mission of organizing the anthropological history of the United States. It is sometimes referred to as the nation's attic, as it has amassed somewhere in the range of 154 million items between its myriad museums, research centers, and various facilities. Yeah, 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 the ones that like hold the Ark of the Covenant and such. <laughs> it's a little Indiana Jones reference. It belongs in a museum. <laughs> All right, let's look at this article. Now, remember when I said to you about, okay, remember I said that a lot of these stories and a lot of this history you hear about it from the early 1800s, the late 1800s to the early 1900s. Remember how I was, I was explaining that? That there seems to be that they will write about these grand stories during that time. And, you know, because of, you know, we, we're, we're blessed and fortunate to have certain types of technologies that and record keeping that allows us to look back at these old articles Um that we're, we're able to kind of prove the narrative wrong or prove the contradictions in the narrative or prove the hypocrisy in the narrative. So 
that's something that I think is really that we're you know we're fortunate about even now with um you know you kind of look at the way back machine even though there is some suspiciousness be behind the way back machine or like the archive.com you know we're able to kind of with the internet we're able to kind of archive you know archive the internet so to speak unfortunately they are deleting the internet um but at least we're able to kind of look back and be like huh what's going on here um what is this all about so you know one thing that i really want to talk about or read is and and is how exciting this little article is so giant skeletons found caves in mexico gives up the bones of an ancient race uh the new york times okay remember when you know this is back when the new york times was you know incredible news agency boston may 3rd charles c clapp who had recently returned from mexico where he has been in charge of thomas w lawson's mining interests has called the attention of professor Axiv, sorry, it's hard, a little, it's a little uh, messed up there. To a remarkable discovery made by him, he found in Mexico a cave containing some two hundred skeletons of men, each above eight feet in height. The cave was eventually the burial place of a race of giants who abducted the Aztecs. Oh God, this is getting interesting. Mr. Clapp arranged the bones of one of the skeletons and found the total length to be 8 feet 11 inches. The femur reached up to his thigh and the molars were big enough to crack a coconut. The head measured 18 inches from back to back. The molars were big enough to crack a coconut. Now, take a, take a second, just like use your imagination and just imagine seeing, just imagine watching someone being able to crack open a coconut. Okay, and, and think about it, all right? So also, like, here here's something also that's kind of interesting in my mind, like, there's no reason to lie about this, especially if we're talking about in the 1800s. Like, there's no reason for them to essentially, you know, make up this story. Um, and just think about it. Like, he... Eight feet and 11 inches. I mean, that, that's crazy. 200 of them. And apparently, they abducted the Aztecs. Okay, because there's a weird thing with the whole Aztecs. They kind of just, like, disappeared. They were there, and then they literally just, woof, were gone. So, you know, some people speculate that they went into the earth. Um, some people... There is the stories about the, the portals that are found throughout South America. That's a whole nother crazy thing. Um, and that maybe it took them to another dimension, another planet. But, you know, we're not here for that. Not yet. Maybe uh, later on in the future. But 
But okay, perfect. Here, he even says it here in the article. But with phrases like diffusing knowledge coming from a government agency that's been influencing the course of history since Eurocentric days of manifest destiny, one might be skeptical about the kind of knowledge was spread and which powers it served. Huh, it's right there kind of for you. Like, what what's going on here? You know, why are we diffusing knowledge? Right? Why is it? Look, this article was published in May 4th, 1908. Copyright by the New York Times. It's a legitimate article. So, you know, why is it then... If you were now to say, oh yeah, they 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 if you were to say right now, t- talking to some random person in the street or at a bar, whatever, and you were to be like, yeah, you know, giants they, they existed in North America. They actually existed in Mexico. They'd be like, dude, you're you're you're, you're full of it. What are you talking about? And then you pull up this article, and it's from 19, 1908. It's like, okay, so then read that. Either they're going to be like, oh, well, this is made up. It's not how is it not real. Look, you could probably go and look it up yourself. Go into the archives of New York Times and find it. So my whole thing is, is like, so at a time in our history, it was established. Oh, yeah, there were giants. They existed. And then all of a sudden now, nope, it's not real. It's not true. But then here's this article from 1908. But okay. Um, let me fix that. Oh. Sorry, guys. Let me see if I can refresh this so I can actually... See what? Oh, come on, bro. Oof. Hold on. Let me. Since that part's a little messed up, let me pull it up on my end and I will read it from my end. Be a little easier that way. Give me one second. I apologize. Okay, so where it says Richard uh, Dewhurst, um, since it's coming up all funky on my end for you guys, I'm going to read it. Um, Richard Dewhurst, author of The Ancient Giants Who Ruled America, points to a man named John Wesley Powell, the U.S. Director of Anthology in 1879, who ran the Smithsonian in its nascent years. In research, Dewhurst uncovered that he refers to as Powell Doctrine, a paper issued on behalf of the Smithsonian, which issued a decree that no anthropological research should consider any talk of lost tribes henceforth. Mm. 
Lost Tribes, while others describing natives as uncultured, savage, and lacking signs of higher intellect. Lost Tribes. I know some people are going to get their Kufi tights on for that one. Kufi hats on tight for that. Okay. Hence, it will be seen that it is illegitimate to use pictographic matter of a date anterior to the discovery of the continent by Columbus by historic purposes, Powell wrote. There you go right there. The narrative. They have to have complete control of the narrative. It's unclear whether this was Powell's decision or if it came from instructions on high. However, Dewhurst believes its clear manifest destiny tone led to the subsequent Masonian cover-up uh, cover of ancient race of giants that preceded Native Americans. Ooh. Oh, this is... Oh, man, this connects right to... You know what? Yeah, I'm going to bring this up. Why not? Because this, this actually ties into what we're talking about right now. So I'm going to bring it up. It ties into the North American connection to giants. Because in that, in that, uh, you know, brief article from the 1900s, it's talking about Mexico. Um, but we will soon discuss um, North America. Let's see. Okay. This, the Smithsonian destroys giant skulls. Okay. Looking back at newspaper clippings dating from the late 1800s into the early 1900s, what did I say? Dewhurst found a multitude of instances in which citizens from uh, desperate areas of the country uncovered massive bones, seemingly of human origin. Upon reporting these discoveries to the media outlets or authorities, Dewhurst said unsuspecting citizens would shortly receive a visit from members of the Smithsonian who wasted no time sequestering the bones, allegedly bringing them to the Masonium or research facility, but which were never seen again. Remember, controlling the narrative. One could also find instances of giant skulls and skeletons in local papers with pictures to boot. <laughs> Take, for instance, this photo from San Antonio Press um, show. Uh, showing giant skulls next to two Norman skulls, two normal skulls for size comparison. Okay, if you can't see it, this is from the San Antonio Press, January seventh, nineteen forty, I believe, nineteen forty. This may be nineteen forty. Look, beach giants. Skull unearthed by WPA workers near Victoria. Look at that. So, and look, they're right here. You see this, the human skulls, and then you see the giant skull. 
If you look at that giant skull, it looks like it could probably crack a coconut. So, remember when I was saying that then they would write, they would have these articles, they would put them out, and, you know, regardless of the Smithsonian, you know, quickly coming in and taking all the evidence, it's just worth knowing that there is a trail to, to, to look at. It's worth mentioning that the time period when these skeletal remains were found was drastically different from today. Yellow journalism was rampant even for some of the publications we might consider more esteemed. Religion was also a dominating factor in many people's lives, and attempts to find literary instances of biblical stories was highly sought after. This has become one of the primary arguments against these accounts, as naysayers believe people created counterfeit skeletons or confused the bones of prehistoric megafauna and large animals for humans, hoping they found proof in the existence of Nephilim of the Old Testament. Giants discovered throughout the world. This is not the only country, I said this earlier, in which these alleged giants of antiquity are said to have been found. In fact, there are accounts dating back to several millennia which speak of encounters with living giants or relics hinting at their existence. In the world's largest prehistoric copper mine in Wales, there are accounts of the discovery of thousands of massive sledgehammers alleged to weigh somewhere in the range of 60 pounds. Whether there's any validity to this assertion is debatable, though if true, would require a larger-than-life human with incredible strength to have worked the mine and wielded such a tool. The average sledgehammer today weighs more than 20 pounds. This repository, known as Giant Ore Mine or the Stonehenge of Copper Mining, dates back some 3,500 years ago. Another well-known instance of alleged giants comes from the writings of Fenderlein Magallan's uh, chronicler Antonio Pigfeda, who wrote of a giant race upon discovering Patagonia. That ties into South America and the... Uh, the giants that were found there and um, the elongated skulls, but that's a whole other topic. Um, one day we suddenly saw a naked man of giant stature on the shore of the port, dancing, singing, and throwing dust on his head, uh, Pigfeta wrote. Pigfeta wrote. The captain general sent one of our men to the giant so that he might perform the same actions as a sign of peace. Having done that, the man laid the giant. The man led the giant to an islet, where the captain general was waiting. When the giant was in the captain general's and our presence, he marvelled greatly and made signs with one finger raised upward, believing he had come from the sky. He was so tall that we reached that we reached only to his waist. And he was well proportioned. I bet he was. <laughs> According to the writings of Pigafetta, Magellan and the crew attempted to return to Italy with two of the giants they had encountered, though they were unable to survive the long trip back across the Atlantic. Skeptics say the people referred to in these accounts were likely members of the 
Tehu, Tehu Leche, a native tribe that may have stood slightly larger in stature due to the strength required to survive in Patagonia's harsh climate, though it's questionable whether they were much larger in height than the average human. But there are a fact, but there are in fact a number of photographs from the late 1800s showing members of the Ona tribe that inhabited Terra del Fuego region of Patagonia, who clearly stood significantly taller than most humans, six and a half feet tall women and men well over seven feet. I mean, the Ona natives next to an average, to a man of average height. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. This account has also been called into question as some say it's it may have simply been an instance of uh, giantism with subsequent reports embellished as to make Magellan's travel sound more exciting. However, this account was later confirmed by English explorer James Byron, whose story of encountering a race of nine-foot giants in Patagonia was published by London Chronicle. Um... Other writings from the expeditions of Sir Francis Drake, Francis Fletcher, and Sir Thomas uh, Cavendish also reported towering Patagonians and their deceased bodies. Could these native tribes um, corroborate the questionable stories of ancient European explorers? So, there is obviously some truth to the story of giants and those stories that are found in religious texts throughout the world. Um, and to, uh, oh, and one more I wanted to show you because I know I talked a lot about the, the giants of North America. So I'm gonna pull this on up real quick before we wrap it up with the final video. Okay. Giant human skeletons found buried in mounds across North America. Now, this is what I was talking about when I said that there are giants found across North America and the tie to Aborigine um, Americans. This article was written December 7th in 2020. Around the turn of the 19th century, there are hundreds of reports from reputable sources of giant skeletons unearthed from ancient burial mounds across America. Human giants are not entirely a product of legend in our history. Andre the Giant is, known, is a known example of a man with superhuman proportions and strength reaching 7 feet 4 inches tall. But Andre's size was a result of giganticism and uh, acromeglia, disorders caused by an overproductive pituitary gland, which releases too much growth hormone. And with the average human height at 5 feet 6 inches for men and 5 feet 2 inches for women, it's rare to find someone of Andre's height, let alone stature. Wait a minute. Hold, hold on. The average human height for a man... Is five feet six inches? All right, ladies, y'all need to, you know, 
keep those expectations in, in check for them over six foot tall brothers. You know, average man is 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 pushing in at five six. Good lord. Oof. The struggle is real for those cats. Anyways. With the extreme rarity of giganticism affecting roughly three in a million, it's surprising how often giants are spoken in the Bible and North American folklore. Remember I was talking about indigenous Americans. David and Goliath, Jack and the Beanstalk, and Paul Bunyan are familiar examples of tales involving giants. Paul Bunyan's got a giant in it? Huh. But while these are thought to be myths or legends, is there any possibility that a race of giants once existed or were their humanoid ancestors significantly larger than us? The Mound Burials Unusual burial sites Across the United States, there are burial mounds or at least their remnants, some as extensive in the size of the Great Pyramid of Giza. The Cohokia and Monks Mounds in Illinois and Missouri are thought to have been built before the arrival of Columbus. The Cohokia Mound is 100 feet tall with 14-acre base and almost an entire acre larger than the Pyramid of Giza. Monks Mound is just as tall with a 1,000-foot-wide base. But what makes these and other mounds of their kind even more intriguing is what has been found buried inside of them. Now, this is one mound. Um, there's also, if you guys get a chance to look up Serpent Mound, um, on Netflix called Ancient Apocalypse, Graham Hancock, who is, if you see this little picture of these three guys, on the far right, the glasses, is Graham Hancock. He did a great um, series, and he does one episode about the Serpent Mound, and its astrological uh, significance. All right, Jim Vera has made it his mission to explore the mystery behind these mounds and others where there is documentation of unearthed skeletons, often of gigantic proportions. Vera, a stonemason by trade, found himself intrigued after finding a plethora of mysterious stone mounds throughout New England. I've seen his stuff. That guy, his, he's a really fascinating researcher. He found that constructions, and particularly the stonework, of these mounds was impressive. Considering the level of technology at the time, he also noticed that the orientation of the mounds was such that the entrances faced a direction that was in alignment with the sun during the equinoxes. The mounds were built with massive stones and were present, along, were present long before colonists from Europe crossed over. Vera uncovered old reports in New England of giant skeletons unearthed from these mounds, often with two rows of teeth and jaws that could fit over the head of a normal-sized human. The skeletons range from 7 to 10 feet tall. Now, I know there's, they have another really interesting article about the giants of North America, but I'll save it for another one because I'm going to wrap this puppy up. Um... But I wanted to end it off with a very intriguing and interesting video for all of you to take a peek at and share your thoughts.
ain't surprised. I keep on shattering time. I'm a GDV behind. How many you stuck on my mind? You just go sleeping on mine. You got your back on recline. When I damage your headache, it's fine. Please don't act out. Shy and surprise. They be like, they be like, what you mean? What is your winning scheme? I got a giant team. Biggest my self esteem. Run it back, run it back, run it me. They think they go hard, I'm like, come again. You run out of time and I'm busting. Now. I'll let you guys make of that what you will. Um, there is more footage I have seen similar to that. Um, but I just find it very interesting and uh, very compelling. And like I said, you know, as we've, as I have presented in these various articles and, um, as I've shown you guys, it's it's there for you to make your own interpretation, your own impression, and what you think and feel this may mean. But like I said, and like, shout out to Mrs. Silkatana. Like she said, there is always a bit of truth in legends. Um, so I think everyone out there, you know, take that, take some time if you have in your day and do your own research about these things. Doing your, you know, doing your own research and using your own critical thinking skills. Um they're important and they lead to a greater understanding of yourself and the world around you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Lounge Ronin. I will be back on later on today, perhaps later in the evening or early evening and maybe later on at night if I'm feeling kinky. But I hope everyone's having a good start to their new year. Stay positive, stay focused, stay true, and much love. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Lounge Ronin. To learn more about myself and how you can support Lounge Ronin, head over to my Patreon page at Ronin Art and Music. If you're interested in reaching out, follow me on my social media on Twitter, Ronin Art and Music, or at me at Kios Ronin, K-O-I-O-S R-O-N-I-N. On Instagram, follow me at Ronin Art underscore music. And if you prefer, hit me up at my email at Ronin Art and Music 09 at gmail.com. And if you're listening to this on your preferred streaming service, please make sure to subscribe. If you're listening on YouTube, make sure to subscribe, leave a comment and a review and slap that notification bell. On Apple Podcasts, please make sure to subscribe, rate the podcast and leave a review as this will help me and the podcast grow. Stay positive, stay focused, stay true and much love.